joy to be in the place of worship where Jesus is. Hallelujah. I don't want to be in any place where I don't see the presence of God. But I want to be in a place where I see and sense the move of God. Are you with me, church? Need to understand, never ignore our, our strong faith background that all of us have. We are a Pentecostal church. We believe in, in worship. We believe that signs and wonders are not dead and gone with the apostles. I believe the book of Acts is still continuing. That's what I believe. And I know I, my church believes that signs and wonders and miracles continue to happen in every single day of our life. As we give ourselves in the hands of God and know and I know for sure that even today my God can work. Are you here depressed and tired? Are you here with a question in your heart? And I know my God is the same yesterday, today and forever. For everlasting to everlasting. His throne remains the same. Hallelujah. My God does not change. He does not change because seasons are changing. He does not change because culture is changing. He does not change because family dynamics change. He does not change. He is not a changing God. He is constant for everlasting to everlasting. Hallelujah. What is your pain? What is your struggle today? Now I know when we give in the hands of God Almighty, He knows how to repair it. He's the best doctor that the world has ever seen. He's the best engineer that the world has ever seen. He's the best counselor that the world has ever seen. Hallelujah. He excels in every given situation. And I know there are families that need one touch of Jesus. And as a pastor of this church, I will declare a season is about to shift in the sanctuary today. A season is about to shift in your family today. A season is about to shift. Something that was depressing you all these seasons is about to change. It's about to shift. It's about to go by in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Me, I've, I've mentioned this many times in our church. Um, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the rainy season. Not a huge fan. I love to see the sun outside and it makes me so happy and productive. Uh, um, usually from November during the fall season, the days are shorter, the lights, the nights are longer. That makes me feel I'm less productive because I want the, the days to be longer where my wife is like, well, are you crazy? Everybody wants the nights to be longer so that they can sleep in more and more. I'm like, no, I want to see the daylight more so that they, there's something out in me that I can keep going. Even if it is 8 o'clock, I can, I can still go out. I can still, the lights are on. I mean, the, there's daylight. And I want to do that. And I know when, you know, I mean, people, I was uh, meeting with somebody who's just moved from Seattle these, uh, recently. And they said, we love Dallas because in Dallas, you see the sun. I mean, right now, the sun, I mean, the weather is kind of playing hide and seek. With all of us. We don't know when, what weather changes in Texas. It's, it's very crazy out here. But again, this guy who moved, just moved from Seattle. He was like, Pastor, I love being in Dallas. Because we get to see the sun so much. And being in Seattle, it is gloomy. It is, the weather forecast is always rainy. There is, it's always cloudy. And it makes us feel very depressed. Anybody, anybody, you know, align with me when I mentioned that? Me personally, I love to see the sun outside. It makes me very happy and joyful. 
But one thing that I understood is that the weather outside has capacity to change the emotional behaviors in me. It has those pressured moments that can bring some you know, pain in my life. But at the same time, the everlasting constant father figure that I have in my... No, he does not change because seasons are changing outside. He does not change because people are changing outside. He is constant for everlasting to everlasting. Bible helps us to understand he is the same yesterday he is the same today and he is the same for tomorrow for eternity to eternity my God is the same what a confidence what a confidence we have everything else is sinking sand the man that you trust the family that you trust the people that you trust they live here for 70 80 90 years and your friendship with them maybe for 5 10 20 30 years i don't know as long as it is good but still people wither away they're like the grass that comes up in the morning and wither away in the evening people show up and show out but jesus will never as long as i know my only hope is christ he is the reward of my life and the choices that i've made i know he will have a new page and i, I you know i'm going to prophetically declare today for some of you a new page is about to open oh writing a new page a new writing a new chapter in your life and I declare as a pastor of this church, let it happen in the life of Zion. Let it happen in the families of Zion. And every person that is watching and being with us through our social media, I pray a new chapter is about to open in your life. A new season. A season is about to shift. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord. I hope everybody doing okay, right? Everybody happy? Can I see your smiling faces? You look good. Come on. Oh. Yeah, somebody whistle. I don't mind people whistling in church. That's me. There are people who may be offended. But as a pastor, I'm not. I believe sounds were made to rejoice. Sounds were made to glorify. Sounds were made to celebrate. And every sound that you can probably use in a public setting should be used to glorify, not just in Sabu, to glorify one living king. He alone in this house. This morning onwards, um, for the next couple of weeks, and we just finished a series uh, last week, which was titled as Frequency. <coughs> and uh, this week onwards, I want to dive into the aspect of the book of James. We want to study through the book of James. And uh, I believe that as everybody uh, you know, I, I pray that, you know, in the morning, um, you know, Christian education class, uh, Anisha, Pastor Anisha has been teaching us through the book of Acts and uh, she's about to, she did today from 8 to 12 chapters um, and today onwards I'm planning on doing the book of James, so much content in this book of James, so much uh, uh, value in the book of James that we see. The book of James was the, just the background real quick. Um, because this is not a Bible study. This is more of a preaching. And you, you know I'm not. The book of James was the first written letter 
uh, first written writing in the New Testament. Before Matthew, James, Matthew, Luke, Mark, John, before uh, Acts and uh, all the letters by Paul, it was the letter of uh, James that was the first written around the AD 38 to 42 is the time period when the book of James was mentioned. You have to understand when James is the first writer of the New Testament, uh, the Old Testament ended with, ended with the writer of Malachi, right? It ended with Malachi and uh, it begins with the writer James. So almost for 500 years, there was no communication in the life of Israelites and the life of the children of God. There was nobody who was communicating a written word and delivering a written word to the children of God. And James becomes the first person in the New Testament to start writing. And when you read through the book of James, he starts writing right after Acts 7 incident happened. Right after Acts 7 incident. What is Acts 7 incident? Where you see the stoning of Stephen. Stephen becomes the first martyr of the Christian church. And right after that is when James is writing. Why? The reason why I share is because the book of Acts that Pastor Nisha was teaching this morning and uh, the book of James that as I'm dealing with goes hand in hand with as our teaching progresses within our church. The reason I share this is because 120 people gathered in the upper room, right? And after 120, it changed to 3,000 people. Right after 3,000, the immediate transformation was 5,000 people who were added to the church. So in the New Testament, within the first few chapters of the book of Acts, you see the total number of Christians that was present in the book of Acts is 18 to 22,000. Around 18 to 22,000 new Christians came out, gave their life. They were Jewish people. Some of them were Gentiles. Some of them were different backgrounds. But there were around 18 to 22,000 people who gave their life to Jesus Christ. Until the chapter 7, we see great transformations happen. Peter walks in. Miracles are happening. Their shadow falls. Miracles are happening. Signs and wonders are taking place in the book of Acts. We, we read through the stories. We understand that. Then in the book of Acts chapter 7, the, the, we see something very crucial and important. What is it? It is the stoning of Stephen. Why? Because the Jewish leaders were afraid. If we let these people go this way, they will take over our kingdom. And that is a threat always the enemy. The reason why he persecutes us. The reason why he's always against our growth. Is because he knows if he let us win this way. If he let us go this forward. Then his kingdom is in danger. Come on somebody. But I believe the church Zion exists. So that we can plunder hell and populate heaven. I believe we as a New Testament church. We exist on Zion. We exist in Richardson. We exist in, the, in our United States. We exist on planet so that we can plunder hell and populate heaven. Hallelujah. That is the reason why we exist. That is the reason why we exist. The New Testament church was going through persecution and struggles and everybody around them, the, the, the Jewish leaders around them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were so angry and upset that they were killing people. They were destroying the Christians, the persecution broke out. But in chapter 8, when you read through the story, you understand because of persecution, what happened? People started scattering. People started going everywhere. In Malayalam, they used to say, Congress party, walarundorum, pillarum, pillarundorum, walarum. Am I correct? 
in Malayalam they would say, you know, as the Congress Party uh, in, 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 in India, the, the more they grow, the, you know, they split. And as they split, they continue to grow. And the book of Acts in the New Testament church, this is what happened. They started growing. The church started growing. But persecution scattered everybody. Persecution scattered everybody. And the idea of persecution in the New Testament was that the people will no longer limit themselves to one place, but they will move out, venture out, and plant life-giving churches wherever they go. And that's what you see after the, the martyrdom of Stephen, the, the, the disciples, the early church Christians, they started going to the ends of the world. And wherever they went, they started spreading the good news. Of Jesus Christ. They travel widely to every part, nook and corner of our world. And James is writing the letter to those persecuted church. That's why I gave you the background. James is writing his letter to a persecuted church. The book of James, the writer, the epistle of James was written 2,000 years ago. But still today, even today, it talks volumes and volumes and contents to the 21st century church. The book of James. And today, as we look into the study, I'm going to bring your attention towards how to navigate during hard times. How to navigate during when we don't know what path to take. How to navigate our life during hard times. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 1 is there I want to ponder for some time. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 1. You can put on the screens. Yes. James, a servant of God. Can we all read it together? Look, to the, look into the screen. Is that okay? Lift up your voices. Look to the screen. Let's read it together, okay? James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the, in the dispersion. Greetings. So verse 1 talks to us about the greeting, right? It's the greeting of James as he's writing this letter to the entire. Whom is he addressing the letter to? To all the 12 tribes that are dispersed due to persecution. But you have to understand, as James is bringing out the letter, has, he's introducing himself. He's introducing himself as, that's where I was just thinking for a while. Why does he take time to introduce himself as a servant of God and of Lord Jesus Christ? You know the story of James? James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Which means he's the biological son of Joseph and Mary. If there's anybody who knew Jesus in and out, it is brother James. If anybody who knew Jesus and the mistakes Jesus would have done in the 30 years of his life, that Bible is silent, it is his brother James. James would have known every single thing that Jesus would have done or committed or thought. James would have known every single thing about the lifestyle of Jesus that Jesus might have had when he was growing. Because he was the co-brother. He was the brother, not the co-brother. He was the brother of Jesus. He was growing in the same house. He was in the same proximity of the same, under the same roof. They were both growing. So I believe James was the immediate person who would have given us more valuable thoughts on the life of Jesus Christ. But just imagine, is there any brothers who would say, I am a servant to my older brother? Anybody in our today's generation, we would say, you know what, my older brother, I, I mean, we see the lifestyles of Jacob even today in 21st century, what is the lifestyle of Jacob? What is the life? He wants to get rid of the older brother and take the inheritance of the older brother. 
But I pray and I pray and I pray in a Christian church, let's have a servitude attitude as we stand to serve God and His people. I pray my voice will be heard to everybody that God has called us in this generation so that we could lay down our own life as a servant of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. James could have written, you know what? I am the brother of Jesus Christ. Everybody listen. I am the brother of Jesus Christ. I have the most authority. I have the most and biggest influence. I am the brother of Jesus Christ. I have all influence. No, he says, I am the brother. No, no, no. He said, I am the servant of Jesus Christ. Attitude of James. Also, let me bring your attention to words. When the early church persecution was happening, Peter was the leader of all these churches there. And people, ha Peter had to move out of the vicinity of Jerusalem. And right after that, we see that uh, uh, James was appointed as the, the elder, the bishop of the New Testament church. He, under him, there were many churches. He was the leader that everybody looked up to in the New Testament church. But even at the time, he does not say, hey, you know what? Greeting, fellow brothers. I am the bishop here. He does not say, greetings, brothers. I am the supreme hierarchy of power. I own everything. He doesn't say, he says, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. That's the attitude. Anybody who wants to lead knows to be a servant leader. My Jesus himself. When he was about to be betrayed that night, he said, come here, Peter. I know, Peter, you had anger issues. I know, Peter, you have all these issues. But I'm going to stoop down, wash your feet. You know why? Because I know that till today, you might have gone to places where you shouldn't have. But I decide that holy and wonderful is the feet of those who bring good news on mountaintops. I am ready to wash your feet so that you can go that extra mile. That is the voice of Jesus. If you want to lead, have a servant heart that you are ready to serve God's people with a humble heart. Meekness is not a weakness. It actually gives you strength to stand when you are humble. Humble yourself in church. Today, this is my word. Humble ourselves. Children, humble ourselves. Parents, humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Where are we going with our ego? Where are we going with the horns that are attached to our head? Where are we going with it? We cannot enter heaven with all of that garbage. Get rid of that and ask God, God, help me that I will become a servant leader in this generation. Help me, O oh Lord, that I will have a servant's heart as I stand to minister. That is the story of James. James, the brother of Jesus. James, the, the, the royal priest, the, 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 the bishop of, of Jerusalem, identifies himself and mentions, you know what, guys? I am a I'm a servant, a slave. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as you look into that story, and that is how the message of James opens up to the entire scripture. I have more contents to preach from the verse 1. But as time lags, let me just go quickly ahead 
and 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 the book of James, as James introduces the entire chapters there, he brings out the truth, he explains to the church, he says, and his voice is heard to the New Testament church as a referee, as a coach of a football team. He helps us understand it's more than a preaching, it's, it's a it's a pep talk. It's he's not giving intricate theological statements like. Paul writes in the book of Romans, you see all the theological arguments that Paul makes in the book of Romans or the Corinthians. But in the book of James, it is just a pep talk. It is just a conversation he's having with people. He's just saying the do's and the don'ts that we have to follow. Somebody, I was reading um, the background and the stories of all the scriptures. Somebody mentioned that there are nearly... 50 commands that James mentions in these five chapters. 50, five, zero commands that James mentions and talks about in the book of James. And he talks volumes to us. And I believe that the early in this year, in 2019, will be a year that we understand that may, no matter what comes my way, I know and I know that my God is a God of victory. He has already won the battle. Hallelujah. James chapter 2, 1 verse 2. James chapter 1 verse 2. It's where you see the heading as it goes in your Bible. It talks about trials and temptations. It talks about trials and temptations. But today I want to stick to verse 2, 3, and 4. And next week we will understand from verse 5 onwards. But let's just look into verse 2, 3, and 4. I'm going to read it for you. It talks about, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking any, anything. Verse 2 starts off by saying that you will have trials of many kinds. Don't you agree that we all live in dangerous times? Don't you agree that we all live in a time and scenario and situation where we get to hear all of this social media noise and notices and, and news about all the atrocities that the world is facing right now? I want to just bring your attention to just a few that I have underlined. It is it, the, Some of the headlines that came across recent years was a woman was beheaded in Oklahoma. A mysterious virus is causing paralysis. ISIS threatens to kill families of U.S. soldiers. Around 2,000 flights were canceled because airlines are still recovering from Chicago fire. The, the people, the doctors are losing the, the race against Ebola. Pope Francis declares World War III it is at, at hand. And recently we came across the news where the New York Senator, the New York governor has declared that a, a baby up to the age of of, of the, the, the full-term pregnancy can be murdered. That's the term that I could love to use here. We come across all of these news. And sometimes when we come across these news, we are like, what is happening with our world? What is happening with the people around us? Can I tell you, the world will always be the world. But you and me need to be a child of God. The child of the living word of God. From the world has not started changing now. The world has changed from the time sin has entered our world. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Recent many years, a couple of years ago, when 
the, the government passed the legislation for same-sex marriage to happen. I heard everybody were like, even in, in, in India too, people were like, oh, this is so bad news. Yes, that is a bad news. But don't be surprised the way world acts. The world will act the way world will act. Don't be surprised. God is not surprised with the way world is acting because the nature of world has come into existence from the day sin has entered our planet. But you need to know who you are. You are not a son and daughter of the world. You are a son and daughter of the living word of God. The world will be the world. Don't be surprised. When things happen the way it is happening, when people around you are not responding the way they should be responding, when your own children does not respond the way you are needing them to respond, teach them, encourage them, love them, but also learn, remember this, understand this, that the world will be the world. And our job is to pull people out from the shackles and the graves of the world and make them stand on the everlasting rock of faith, of salvation that Jesus himself is. That is the role of a New Testament church. That is the role of a church in today's history. That is the role of Zion church in region. That is the role of the New Testament church. Don't be surprised with what is happening in our world. The world will be the world. But who are you? You are not Ningal Loga Karanda Sandadi Allah. They were watching You are a child of the living word of God. Let the word separate you from the world. The pastor used to say, when the word gets in, the world goes out. When the word gets in, the world will go out. Allow the word to get in. Allow the word to get in. Let the world go out. Let the world go out, my friend. Let the world go. The story of, as we look into that, we have to understand um, in, in, in um, the verse 2, it talks about we, we go through many kinds of trials. Many kinds. Count it all joy. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, not one kind, I would be happy if I just had the trial of one kind. I would be happy if all my life I have the trial of, because I can easily game the system. I can master, I can, I can, you know, I can write a book, you know, five points to win against this temptation. Five points to win against this trial. Five points. Oh, blessed be your name, Lord, if you give me those five points. But can I tell you, trials of all kinds, of all colors. In the Greek, you know, I usually don't love to take a lot of Greek and Hebrew because I know people won't understand. But as I was looking to the, the portion here, you know, it talks about, it talks about, it talks about, it talks about that the nth kind of, even the trials that the world has not seen yet will come to your life. But even in the midst of them, Bible or James help us to count it all. Are you kidding me? Like I go through trials and you say that I need to celebrate. Like I need to have party for my trials. Is there anybody? A couple of weeks ago, my son Josiah, he loves to jump on, on our couch. And as he jumps on our couch and on our bed, he loves to do that. He loves, and, and I always, we, 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 we yell at him in a good way, okay? 
And then we say, Josiah, don't do it. Josiah, don't do it. And Anisha comes in. Anisha, like, just Anisha doesn't have to say anything. The one look of that mother, my son knows he's in trouble. And he's like, Dada, help me from mom. I don't know what happened to mom right now. But as he was jumping on his couch one day, we have always given him the warnings not to do so. He fell down, right? He fell down. After he fell down, you know, it did hurt him because I heard it was a loud thud on the floor. And after he fell down, he looked at me, Dada, nothing happened. It's all fine. It's all fine. And he, Anisha memorized him a scripture from Old Testament. He said, be courageous and strong. And he looks at me, Bible says, be courageous and strong. No problem, Dada. He knows the reason he's mentioned that there is no, it's not hurting him is because he knows that Dada is going to get angry right now. That because he disobeyed and he fell down, Dada is going to give him a tight, good love, affection. That's all I can do and say on live stream media. <laughs> Some parents are laughing. Yes, Pastor, we are with you. But yeah, that's the truth, right? I, I, he knows I will be loving him. So he's like, Dada, it's all good. No problem. I mean, that is kind what James is mentioning here. I go through trials and you want me to celebrate in my trials? I go through stuff and you want me to celebrate in the stuff, the pain, the affliction, the death, the rejection, the walkovers that I have faced all my life. You want me to celebrate that? James, are you kidding me? It does not Talk makes sense in the 21st century. But can I tell you, the same message is everlasting to everlasting. What James wrote as the first book in the New Testament, it is the same scripture that values, gives us so much value even today. In the midst of pain and struggle, you can still have joy. You know what Job would say? Job, this is Job, Job chapter 5 verse 7. Job chapter 5 verse 7 reminds us, man is born for trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Man is born in this world for trouble. Don't question because troubles are here. You're just a question because you're born in a troubled world. Why? Why? Sin has, has stained entire universe. Anything and everything, sin has stained us. As a child of God, people ask me, Pastor, what is a sin? And they, they expect me to give them a list. They, they expect me to give them a list. It'd be so easy that we can list out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, ten things are sinful, other things are not sinful. Sin is anything, according to me, that I have understood. And I have paid around uh, um, $30,000 in my Bible college for study. So I think um, I can understand here. Right? Sin is anything that takes you out and away from God's presence. Anything, anything and everything that takes you away from the presence of God. Is I, can, I mean, you asked me to read. I can give you the list of sins that I think, but I, can I tell you, there's a lot more. A lot more. What is that? That is drifting you away. That is taking you away. What is that that has occupied your mind in this world? That is a sin in your life. Because God in the Bible wanted to have communion. God in the Bible wanted to have fellowship. God in the Bible wanted to have relationship. Anything that comes in between the relationship of father and son is sinful. That is sin. That is sin. 
You can name whatever it is. You can make a list of things in your personal. I have a list of things in my personal life. You can make a list of things in your personal life. The sins and the many other things that the Bible talks about sins. That separates us from the love of eternal life. From the love of our everlasting father. As we look into this scripture, Job 5, 7. Man is born for trouble as surely as the sparks fly around. You, are, If you are alive and beating, you will have trouble. I'm sorry, but this is the best I could speak today. If you're alive and beating, you will have trouble. You will have struggle. Life is never going to be easy. Christian life will have struggle. Christian life will have people, you know, putting you aside and saying that I can't do life with you. Why? Because you don't choose to do what I am choosing to do here. The book of Daniel, four guys, they chose not to defile themselves from the food that are the, 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 the beverages, the stuff that, that the king would order, the king would give. They said, no, I can't do that. Why? Because I am a child of God. I know who I am wherever you take me. You take me to Babylon, I know who I am. I know my identity. Wherever you want to take me, you take me. But I will not compromise with what the word has to tell in my life. The word speaks more clearer than the word. Only if, if you allow the word talking to you. Do we allow the word talking to us? Do we allow the word ministering to us? James, help us to understand in the midst of trials and temptations and struggles that goes through in your life on a continuous basis. Understand, take it for, and count it. Oh, for joy. Oh, for joy. And you will have troubles of all. My trouble is different from your trouble. Your trouble is different from your neighbor. Look to your neighbor and, neighbor and say, good for your trouble. Come on, look to your neighbor. Husband, look to your wife and say, good for your trouble. The wife is smiling and like, yeah, you are my trouble. <laughs> Thankfully, some wives don't sit with their husbands. It's okay. <laughs> they might start a world war here whenever I'm asking them. The first thing that I want to mention here, three things that I will mention real quick here. Is that okay? Three things. From the scripture that we understand and read, the first thing that we see here among the three is the first thing is it's a command. It's a command number one that we see in the book of James when it says count it all joy. Count it. It's not a request there. It's a command that no matter what you face in your life, count it all joy. It's a command given to your life that you may go through sickness and trouble and stuff that has to happen in your life. But count it all joy because it's a command from God. Count it all joy. And as we look into that, ask, but I want to see, is this really true? That what is the meaning of joy in the Greek, right? And I, as I mentioned, you know, I don't usually, uh, you know, I did Greek for almost two years and and my language studies while I was doing my Bible college. And one thing that I understand is, you know, I don't use a lot of Greek and Hebrew because people, common people don't understand. They don't understand the common English. They don't understand the common Malayalam that is written in our scriptures. Then how am I <laughs> going to speak the Greek and the Hebrew? One, what happened one day was one of my friend and I, we went for visiting a village for prayer. 
And that week, that entire month, we were doing Greek, right? So this guy is a new convert, new, new believer, I would say. Uh, and he comes from a compassion ministry. He's one of the, he was, you know, into a lot of addictions and stuff. The Lord delivered him. He came to, the G, came to Jesus Christ. He was doing Bible college. Pro. He was learning a lot of stuff. And whenever he reads all the Greek, it's, it's, it's as if it, it, he understands that, oh, the power of Jesus resonates in me when I speak in Greek. So I took him for a ministry trip, you know, in one of the villages. And when we were there, after I, we were worshiping and leading worship and we were preaching, as I was preaching, one lady, one evil spirit and a lady started, you know, showing up and, you know, speaking and all these things. All of a sudden, my friend here, he started speaking, oh, Theo, Diabolos, and he started speaking all the Greek terms. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm casting the demon out. And I said, no, don't do that. You speak in the language, you know, the de evil spirit understands your language. He thought that, you know, you speak, and he started praying, oh, Diabolos, get out, Theo, in the name of Theo. Oh, Diabolos, Diabolos is the name for the devil, you know. Diabolos, get out, get out, you know. I'm like, what are you doing? Speak in your own. Sometimes, you know, you, you know, all you have to do when you look at the devil or the level afflicting your life is just to stay calm and let him know, no matter what you do, it does not affect my life. No matter what you do. Oh, come on, somebody. No, Whatever you do, my Lord is with me. And it doesn't matter, no matter what you do. It doesn't change. You bring any kind of trials and affliction doesn't change. So number one is the command. And in the Greek too, when I looked in, joy means joy. It means joy. It means joy. And that's why whenever you come to Zion Church, you know, if you are coming here, you know, um, if you feel like coming here, or if you're forced to come here, or if you love to come here, all the above that I mentioned, right? And, and if you are here every Sunday, I want to make sure that you walk out with joy on your face. When you go back to Bavarchi or you, you go back to uh, uh, some restaurant's name, some restaurant, come on. Chennai Cafe, okay, some restaurant, come on, you go to some restaurants here, they don't know, they, they give me so much trouble every weekend to decide for a restaurant to go eat after our service, but whatever restaurant you walk in, you should walk in with joy, and somebody, a waiter who comes to there and they ask you, brother, what is this joy on your face, I went to church today. Why, why, why is that your life is so different? I am going through stuff in my life, but still I can radiate and beam and joy because of the Lord and the finished work of the cross that no matter whatever comes my way, it will not shake me. My God gives me the strength to withstand trouble. Joy means joy. Can I have the worship team behind me? I know time is running real quick, but... But I want to end with verse 3. Is that okay? Can we put the verse 3? We're going to end with verse 3. Something that we have to understand here. In verse 3, it helps us to understand. For you know that the testing of your faith produces. The testing of your faith produces. Develops perseverance. Verse 3. It is the number 2 part of the scripture here. It is the reason. The reason why 
you can have joy. The reason why you can have smiling face, the reason why you can enjoy in God's presence, the reason why even when you go through failures and struggle, you can still enjoy in God's presence is because, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Mark, if you have your Bibles with you, underline the word you know. Underline the word you know. Why do I say that? It's because your knowledge is not your head knowledge. The knowledge that James is talking about is not the head knowledge. It's not the knowledge that Bible college can offer you. It's not the knowledge that books can offer you. It's not the knowledge that somebody else's wisdom can pour into your life. It's the knowledge that you have received when you have gone through trials and afflictions. It's the knowledge that you have sensed and understood from your heart. It's not a head knowledge. It's about the heart knowledge that my God is an eternal God. My God is an everlasting Father. My God, He is faithful until the earth, until the walk of my life. He is a faithful God. He is a faithful God. That is the story of James. Every single word that James has, as like I can preach for almost 20 minutes from every single verse here talk so much value and I encourage you go back home let's journey through book of James together I want us to go back home just five chapters something about the book of when you read letters always understand when you read letters never read first chapter second chapter third chapter every day when you read letters read the letter one shot complete and finish it off if somebody if your husband wrote you a letter will you read the first paragraph today and second paragraph tomorrow no, it doesn't make sense. Because the first paragraph, he was angry. In the second paragraph, he was loving. And you need to read both of it together so that you can sleep peacefully. Come on. Nobody writes letters these days, but we have text messages. Do you read the first line and skip and go to the... No, you read it in order. And that is how you have to read. Whenever you read the letters in the New Testament, read all the letters together. That is a good practice. Something that I learned spending $45,000. Once in a while, I need to give out those Bible college stuff, you know. Come on, people. Can we all rise up in God's house? I know you might be going through stuff and struggle. But may the joy of our Lord live in your life.